Hi everybody and welcome to SCL, the subject to composition and light photography podcast. My name's Rob from RobNumphoto.com and this is episode 256, recorded on the 1st of May 2015. Well hi everybody, sorry I haven't been around for a while, I've been busy as usual at work and uh, doing some other stuff which I'll talk about in a minute. But I have made a little bit of an effort to go out and take some photos um, when I've been covering at other other stores. I was down in Southampton uh, a couple of weeks ago and I made sure that in the morning when I got I got there a little bit earlier so I quickly grabbed my camera and dashed over and took some photos in the surrounding kind of uh, industrial area. And then at lunchtime it was such a beautiful day that I took a wander down to the river and took some photos down there as well. Nothing, nothing special or anything like that. Um, but it was it was a little bit fun and and it's the old it's that muscle memory thing, isn't it? Just by going out and taking the photos, even if you're not getting any keepers, just to get get in the groove, if you like, of, of actually uh, taking images and uh, getting rid of some of those cobwebs. Actually, um, I'm on a day off today, which is quite unusual for me on a Friday, but. I kind of I dinged my back during the week, and it's kind of, it was giving me grief for the last couple of days. So it's quite good to have a day off where I don't really have to do much. And I thought I'd catch up uh, recording a podcast. I've done some chores around the house, and I might record some videos this afternoon, depending on on how I'm feeling. But um, I was bringing the washing in from outside because it looked like it was going to rain, and uh, I also managed to run the mower around. And there was this friendly little robin in the garden. And I thought, oh, that would be a good opportunity just to, to practice some kind of wildlife photography. Because he really was friendly. He was only sort of probably, um, I don't know, three metres, about ten feet away, just hopping around. So I grabbed my 600D and a flash, funny enough, which I'm just going to go and get now. Um, you can probably, probably still hear me. So I was very lucky to be con- con- contacted by a company called Apolite. Um who have developed the YH700C for Canon and the YH700M for Nikon. And, and it's a very similar-looking flashes to the flashes that I've used before, you know, the, the young Nuos, like the 565EX, um, in the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's got a full, full tw- uh, tilt and bounce head, uh, takes four AA batteries, it's ETTL compatible, so it's an automatic flash. You can run it in manual mode. It's got two slave modes, a basic slave mode where it just re- re- uh, reacts to one flash going off and then the more advanced slave mode where you can use it with your um, TTL flashes on your, on your modern cameras where they kind of flash twice, don't they? And it can it can trigger at the right, right time for that. Um, I think it's compatible with the Canon wireless control system that the 600D T3i and uh, other ones do. I'm just having a quick look. But anyway, um, it's what's very exciting about it as well is it has um, fast speed sync on the um, uh, on the thing on the on the flash as well. High speed synchronization they call it. Because as you know, is if you if you use flashes, you're kind of stuck at about one two hundredth of a second as the maximum flash speed you can run, which is fine for taking photographs inside of static subjects or in the dark of static subjects but sometimes well even moving subjects as well because the flash freezes the action but if you want to take a a portrait outside or a photo outside and what you want to do is darken the sky but have your subject well lit so you can make the sky look very very dramatic um, the the problem you have is that at two hundredth of a second on a sunny day, or even an overcast day, um, that's quite a long shutter speed for outside. 
and it means that you have to really tighten down your aperture try and, to try and darken everything up and it makes it very difficult to do that um, um, you, you know when you want to use a flash to lighten up your subject but if you've got high speed sync all of a sudden th things become simpler because you can simply run well you could run a tight aperture and you can run a high shutter speed say you know two thousandths of a second so the surround you know the, the the ambient like if you like like that's in a situation can get very dark so you can darken the noonday sun almost and then you can use the flash to simply light your subject and it opens up all sorts of creative possibilities for dramatic uh, photos outside especially when you think you start gelling things as well and playing around with white balances you know imagine you've got you know you've got um you're outside so you put a uh, let's think if you if you wanted to make the sky look a lot colder you could put like a tungsten white balance on or something like that um so that and, and then you could gel your flash so it would make your subject look normal but make your sky look really blue and all these things are possible and that's what the apple light can do and it's a bit of a bargain i think in amazon it's not not very expensive at all so i'm looking forward to testing that flash but to come back to the robin that was in the garden i put the flash on the camera because i know it sounds a bit odd to take try and take wildlife photos with a flash but the robin was quite close about 10 feet away and it's a bit of a dreary day today in gospel you know a typical kind of english spring summer's day so it's overcast it's quite cold and there's lots of nice soft light around, which is great for portraits of people, portraits of people and things like that. But it's quite a cold light, and it just isn't very interesting. There aren't many shadows. They're, they're, for example, the bird wouldn't have had a catch light in its eye. By adding a flash, I wanted to experiment with that. And looking on the back of the camera, it looks like out of about 30 to 40 shots, I might have a couple of interesting ones. I'm not an expert at wildlife photography at all. It's not something I do. Um, but this little robin was so kind of friendly and staying so close, I thought it was a good opportunity. So anyway, there we go, wildlife photography with a flash. Um, I've got a bit of a uh, bit of a, a um, confession as well. Um, I've been distracted from my photography over the last few weeks by by video games. So I I think I've spoken on the podcast before for have I since Christmas in the fact that well at Christmas we bought Oliver an Xbox One to replace his Xbox 360 and he kind and kind enough said to me well why don't you just have the Xbox 360 and and you know you know I'm a 40 something guy you know when I grew up, grew up I grew up playing video games on like the Apple II um I uh, things like um the SNES and the N64 um I think the last PlayStation I kind of owned was probably 15 years ago with something like a PS2. So I've kind of been out of the loop a bit with uh, with video games. Not even I don't even play games on my my computer, my my laptop or anything like that. But anyway, I, I kind of always enjoyed watching Oliver play Call of Duty. You know the the first person shooters. So he and he's got loads of games, most of the CODs. So I've been kind of playing them through through the campaign modes. But I haven't had Xbox Gold to go online and play online. But uh was it i think it was last week the beginning of last week i got a message on my xbox home screen that said try gold for free for a month i thought well i can't turn that down to have a go and i tell you what online <laughs> call of duty against real people it's probably been one of the most addictive video games i've ever played it is absolutely amazing so where i would have normally been preparing and recording videos and podcasts i've been going oh, i tell you what i just i just just go online <laughs> no, I'll play a bit of COD. So my apologies. Now, if you too are on Xbox 360 and you're on um, live, um, 
my you now I don't, I don't know how to do this but my username is scale speeder you know as in you know my, my yeah, moniker for Flickr and stuff like that so s-c-a-l-e-s-p-e-e-d-e-r so if you send me a friend friend request if i can figure out how to respond to that you know you know i will and i tend to play um advanced warfare but i've got black ops black ops 2 modern warfare 2 ghosts um and i'm going to try and get modern warfare 1 and 3 as well because i'm quite I really, <laughs> really enjoy these games. It's terrible, isn't it? But I've got a rush on myself. Um, so, for example, right now as I'm recording the podcast, I think, well, I've got this done. I've got it edited and uploaded. Yeah, I'll, I'll play a bit of COD this afternoon or, or this evening. And I even, with Oliver, you know, I um, when I'm giving him a lift somewhere or we're just having a chat, I'll say, right, okay, so so what, what, what gun do you use most of the time? And what, what perks do you use? And what add-ons? And uh, what's your tactics for all this? And he kind of goes, ugh. Because obviously when he sees me start to play it, he kind of just laughs because I'm so slow and so old and I tend to get wasted all the time. But anyway, there we go. So COD, don't try it. It's too addictive, especially the online stuff. Um, I've also been, luckily enough, to been playing around with Tiff and DFX4, which is a really good um, Lightroom, well, I guess, would you call it a plug-in? It, it's more than a plug-in. It's almost like a, well, you can you can buy DFX4 from Tiffin in a standalone um, uh, application, or you can buy it as a as a plugin for Lightroom or Photoshop, and basically, it's a uh, it's a collection of like hundreds of different filters and effects that you can apply to your photos. Everything from polarizing filters to um, simulations of film stocks to uh, different lens effects to straightening, um, color casts, uh, flash gels. Hundreds and hundreds of different effects based on glass filters, because that's what Tiffin is known for, but also um, other things as well, lots of different things. And what you can do is within the kind of um, application or the, the plugin, you can apply all these um, filters selectively and in layers as well. So it's an incredibly, incredibly powerful piece of software. And I'd recommend if you if you struggle like me with post-processing and knowing where to what direction to go with you know i tend to increase the contrast maybe turn it to black and white and fill around with it a bit but often i don't really know where i'm where i'm going and it's good to have some sort of preset to set you on your way and i think some of the best presets are film simulation so you can go into like tiff and dfx and you can choose to look at like um kodachrome 64 or portrait 400 or ilford ilford um xp2 or a fuji film or something like that and that gives you a really good base layer to to add a a feeling to your photos often you know a particular type of look and you can use that consistently across a whole series of photos and what tiff india effects for allows you to then do is to apply other effects as well and as i say you can apply them in layers you can apply them at different strengths and it really is really is fantastic and overall if you just do a google search for tiff india effects for you can go to their website and you can download the free trial and give it a go i've uh, very very impressed indeed because um, it does make post-processing much easier now something i did as well just after the i recorded the last podcast i think anyway it's difficult when i do, I do the podcast every month because i kind of forget what i've done but i did a comparison video of my canon 50 mil f 1.8 the nifty 50 versus the 40 mil f 2.8 pancake lens versus the 18 to 55 35 to 56 is kit lens because what i wanted to know was you know you you, you get that um that problem of c- confusion of choice isn't it and the fact that um there's a there's a particular saying for it where 
you don't do something because you've got too many choices. And sometimes I feel like that with, with lenses and, and camera kit. You think, oh, God, you know, I'm going to go out. What, what should I take with me? And you end up taking too much kit or, or too little. And what I wanted to really figure out was, is it actually worth, on a general photo walk, when I'm just wandering around taking pictures of things, is it worth bringing along um, the 50mm 1.8 or the 40mm 2.8 um, rather than my kit lens or in addition to my kit lens because the photos would be sharper, for example. If it's a general walk around, you know, so it's a sunny day, it's a nice day, I'm not going and doing a portrait session or not that I do, or going into low light situations. And at those particular focal lengths, so 50mm or 40mm, are those lenses significantly sharper than the 18 to 55 at those focal lengths and, and similar apertures? Um, and basically, the you know, the conclusion to the video and the tests I did was that they're, they're not particularly that much better. So if you're shooting, say, with a Canon 50mm um, at f1.8, you're wandering around taking pictures of, I don't know, buildings and things like that. Um, if you compare the show, the photos taken uh, with 50 mil at 1.8 versus the 18 to 55 at 50 mil at f5.6, which is his widest aperture, um, there isn't really any difference. Well, so, well, uh, the 18 to 55 is actually sharper than the 50 mil when it's at f when um, the 50 mil is at f1.8 and the 18 to 55 is at 5.6, which I know you, you know is probably you think well that's obvious, isn't it? Well, the point I'm trying to get across is when they're at their widest aperture. And even when you go down to, say, um, F8 uh, on the 50 and F8 on the 18 to 55, there isn't that significant, isn't any significant really difference that I could see in terms of sharpness if you just zoom in to 100%. And the same kind of really went for the 40mm f2.8 as well. You know, if you're at 40mm at the 18 to 55 zoom at 5.6, it's actually a little bit sharper than the 40mm is at 2.8. And then if you put both lenses to f8, there isn't really that much difference when you're looking at 100%. Uh, 100%. And so what that means is if you're in sort of general uh, photography mode, where you're just wandering around with your camera bag in different locations, quality-wise, in terms of sharpness, there is no advantage for to taking the 18 to 55 out off and putting your 40 or 50mm prime on. If you're, shoot, you know, if you're shooting around about sort of, f1.8 sorry not f1.8 f8 because you won't notice that much difference in the photos um so i thought that that was quite interesting and um i thought all right that, that's cool now obviously the thing is though about the 18 to 55 kit lens is that at 50 millimeters f i think it's f5.6 and i think at 40 millimeters it's f5.6 as well so that's pretty damn slow um, so if you're taking pictures of, in lower light situations, say you're inside or of moving things where you need faster shutter speeds, obviously the 18 to 55 kit lens, it simply can't do it because you can't open up the aperture enough. You'd have to increase your um, your ISO, so you're going to get a little bit more grain. You're going to lose quality that way. So the 40 mil and the 50 mil obviously have their um, have uh, sort of specific situations where where they would come very very useful because remember although the 18 to 55 has image stabilization that only kind of uh, applies to to you and the shake that you apply to the camera it doesn't slow down somebody running past you at all it doesn't help with that the only thing that can freeze that person or that vehicle or that bird is a fast shutter speed and you only get fast shutter speeds from wider apertures 
Uh, and also the fact that, you know, if you're shooting with a 50mm f1.8 doing a nice portrait session, that will give you lovely looks. And when you are doing things like portraits, especially of ladies, you're not looking for ultimate sharpness, are you? Because you don't want to show all the pores and hairs and all that sort of stuff. Um, so those lenses definitely have their place, but they're definitely not a replacement. However, <laughs> there's always, it's always about buts, isn't it? And howevers and things like that with, with photography. Do remember that one of the strengths of, of running with a 40 or a 50 is that it forces you to crop the scene in front of you. And I know I've talked about this in the past as well. Um, and the way that an 18 to 55, because it can be so wide, 18 millimeters, occasionally, you know, we produce maybe a few too many photos that look a bit postcardy, you know, where you've got the whole scene in the picture. And better photography can be about sim simplicity and simplifying the scene in front of you and one of the easiest ways to simplify simplify ugh, simplify things is to get a little bit closer or to crop and with a 40 mil or a 50 mil you've got to do that because on a crop sensor body like a 600d t3i um you know most um entry-level dslrs 50 millimeters is actually more like a 75 millimeter on a um on a full frame, which means you really are telephoto. You're zooming a long way into the scene. Um, so, so there we go. I thought that was interesting. So, with an eighteen fifty-five, you don't actually uh, gain much in terms of quality if you're a bit of an f eight shooter, like I can be when I'm wandering around. You might as well stick with your eighteen to fifty-five and uh, save some weight, or maybe put some nice sandwiches or chocolate in your camera bag instead. Now, we're into May. Time for a new photo assignment again. Um, kind of mirroring what they're doing over at the Amateur Photographer of the Year competition. Um, and uh, this month it's called The Wider Perspective or Creative Wide Angle. And uh, this one runs from uh, the 2nd of May to the 31st of May. So make sure you put your photos in if you're going to, to, to APOI by then. As usual, I'll put a Flickr thread up um, on the robnonphoto.com uh, Flickr group. Remember, it's free to join Flickr. You get... I think I said two gigabytes. Is it two gigabytes? No, I think you get two terabytes of free storage or something. It's crazy, so you can back up loads and loads of photos if you so wish for free. And there's loads of great photos to look at. And it's a bit of fun as well, just to try and take some photos uh, about that kind of saying, the wider perspective, creative white angle. And what I'll do is in the show notes and on the Flickr thread, I'll put links into um, the 2013 competition for that um for that particular style because there's some example photos there that might well help and as ever as well in the Flickr um, thread don't worry about putting old photos in if you want to put some old photos that you think uh, kind of match that assignment the wider perspective then go for it because what I've decided to do this year is for APOI um, I'm not just submitting photos I've taken that month I'm, just, I'm taking any over the past several years that I've taken that I think and kind of match uh, that particular saying because that's what everybody else does as well so if you fancy a bit of fun and your chance of winning some i think it's sigma lenses this month um you can enter for free uh, and i'll put the links in the show notes or over on the uh, Flickr group so there we go that's enough from me thank you for everybody who takes part in the Flickr photo group um much appreciate great work goes on over there thanks for everybody who puts the comments on my youtube videos and on the rubnerphoto.com site but most of all i'd like to thank you for listening and downloading the podcast please email me scalespeed at gmo.com drop me a line and uh, hopefully i'll see you pretty soon on Flickr.